Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Hey everybody, if you are trying to learn Revit, I think you should learn from yours truly, Alex Gorenland Psycho. Uh, we have a website called RevitRocketShip.com. We've been training university students, other professionals, our own staff for many, many, many years, and we made it available uh, online at RevitRocketShip.com. And what's great about it is that it's broken down into five to seven minute chunks, plus or minus on some of them, um, teaches you everything from families, uh, to uh, a whole project base. And one of the differentiators, I think, there's actually two major ones. One is we're an actual firm, uh, f9productions.com, that does a lot of work. So we are implementing practices that are true. And what that means is that we're modeling like it gets built. Uh, we're doing uh, our walls a little bit different. You'll, you'll see in the videos of why we do it, but it actually works out in the end uh, to create a better model. We've... Uh, trained a lot of people. So this is not our first go around. And the other thing too, is that you get our template, you give the actual, you get the actual template that we use hone, develop and improve every year, um, in that system. Uh, so it's for free. So if you were starting a residential project project, you'd start off on that. It'd have, uh, everything set up the way that we like, the way that helps you, uh, go faster, build cooler, cooler things and, and be more awesome. So check that out. RevitRocketship.com. Welcome to another special episode of Inside the Firm. I'm here at the AIA 2019 conference in Las Vegas, and I'm here with a very special guest, Earl Parson. Earl Parson is an entrepreneur and architect out of Prescott, Arizona, where he designs award-winning custom homes through his firm, Parson Architecture. Earl won honorable mention in the 2016 Charette Venture Group Business Plan Competition for CleverModerns.com. His online platform providing plans, resources, and support for people who want to build Quonset Hut homes. His Facebook community, DIY Quonset Dwellers, has over 1,200 members and is the largest online community for Quonset Hut enthusiasts in the world, I believe. Is that right, Earl? In the world. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Lance. Really happy to be here. Um, so you and I uh, found each other on Facebook through the Entree Architect community. Um, we, we're, always, we're always laughing and reacting on, on Facebook, and <laughs> I, I love your work. I love that you live in Arizona. Tell me, and I know you moved from California. Tell me right. about the decision to move from California to Arizona and then, if, and then go into you know this whole Quonset thing. I mean, it's just like you're doing some of the coolest 
coolest work, I think. Thank uh, you, Lance. In, in, you know, in the nation with these quantsets. Well, that's very kind words, and uh, yeah, so it's been kind of a crazy story, and uh, goes back a few years. I mean, I remember. You know, standing in my kitchen, I would listen to Mark LePage. So, huge shout out to Mark and the Entree Architect community and on his podcast. And he would always end, and I'm an entrepreneur architect. And I was just felt like I was an architect. But because I didn't, you worked for somebody at that point, right? Well, you know, or, I was or on you, my own. So I was on, on my own since the recession. Yeah. Uh, 09, the firm I was with closed up shop, and, uh, and I just decided I was not going to go back. And... Uh, so I was on my own. It was hard, you know, in those years, as we all know, that mm -hmm. went through that as professionals. Yep. And, you know, I just, I didn't want to go back. And I just, it was, there were those years of doing what you could do to keep it together and keep the mortgage <laughs> on the house and fill the house with roommates and take any kind of work. And, uh, you know, and, but I also used that time to explore kind of explore my creative side and I've I've ever since I was in in architecture school at SciArc I learned to weld and I loved welding and I just had more time to you know my welding and making was kind of the soothing uh thing that got me through the you know exploring that creative side when there wasn't a lot to do design wise for, what, what for kind clients of what, what kind of work uh, so what describe your first clients were they how did you get them and so my i think what the the client the the trend of clients in my in my career that pulled me out of the recession started with getting a bunch of my furniture in a show in downtown la at there's a little gallery in chinatown called fifth floor gallery some friends uh, had some work. They were putting together a show there, and and they suggested that I, you know, talk to the guy. And I brought, brought him over to my studio and showed him some things, and we talked. And so that show was. I didn't sell a lot of of work and stuff, but it was it was a boost. You know, it was a, a it was a spiritual boost, a psychological lift to mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. something creative out there with someone interested in it. Yeah. You know, when there was just nothing going on. Right. And that led to a client who was uh, a woman I'm still friends with, you know, and, and she turned into a good friend uh, to go out with su for sushi on Friday nights, kind of a friend, you yep. know. And um, she had uh, a home that was, um, she just, she, she was at the end of a remodel and for, for reasons I don't need to go into that long story, she, she just needed some railings on the front of her hillside home to be able to pass final inspection on a house that was built a long time ago with, like, stone steps up to the front door way up high, and there were no railings. Yeah. So I designed and built some beautiful stainless steel railings for her on the front of her house. And then that, and it was really not a huge job, but it was, uh, you know, it was in the wheelhouse of the fabrication work I was doing at the time. And then that, you know, that led to another client with a friend of hers, and it was the, the three of us, uh, I mean, there are... The, the sort of three of us going out for sushi on Fridays, it's just like this thing I look back so fondly on now. And it was like this community of friends, but also they were my clients. And we sort of interacted on both levels in this really wonderful way. And so that was kind of in my background. And I would be hearing, you know, years later, a few, you know, several years later, I guess, um, and I was listening to podcasts about you know, technology and 
online business and scaling your business in an online way that you know it's not really the way architects operate at all at all, at all. it's like a totally different we kind don't of, advertise yeah. we're, we're, we're and uh, yeah i mean the online thing that was one thing that i picked up on right away was oh my god nobody in colorado nobody architect wise is really u- utilizing the internet to right. gain their business, it was just like, and I was like, "Don't tell anybody. We'll just we're gonna ta- we're gonna have we're, that's gonna be us." <laughs> and so, I was like, always in the back of my mind. And then here's Mark LePage in the other ear on his podcast saying, "I'm an entrepreneur architect." And I was like, I felt like there was this huge problem I had to solve for myself of wanting to have a kind of more of a building a community as opposed to just acquiring clients and feeling like I'm really an entrepreneur doing something in an interesting new way, not just another guy remodeling houses in Los Angeles. And uh, it all kind of started to come together then um, when, so we're married now, but I was dating my then boyfriend and we went, we did a trip in late 2015 to Taliesin. We went to Phoenix and just did a kind of weekend away Went to Taliesin. Is that the first time you've been there, or you've been there before? I had not been to Taliesin Oh, West. cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, I'd seen the buildings in pictures and all right. that. But to go through there, and how you have this immersive experience, right? He took this scrap of desert that nobody cared about, and he created this immersive experience where he completely controlled, you know, the entire experience for any visitors, and his clients would come there and all that. Even with the building. Remember, he would pick out the certain stones and he'd be like, and he would, he would point right. to which ones could go in and he would call the, the ones that he liked goose eggs. You know, that's a goose egg. That's a good one. Mm. Pick that and put that one in there. So we were on that trip and we were driving through Phoenix and I just got the urge to sort of, it was like this, all of a sudden I had this feeling that like I had to make this huge confession. Like it was not a big deal, but like I had this, like it was weighing on me and I, I was kind of terrified to say it. And I said to Eric, as we're driving up Scottsdale road or whatever. And I'm like, I really want to build a house out of a Quonset hut. Oh my like, god! I don't know. What? I know that's and where I, it came from. I, and I, well, <laughs> I mean, I had it had been brewing you know, for a long time in, inside me. And did you grow up on a farm? I mean, that, my parents were farmers in southern India. My grandparents. Okay. My grandparents were farmers in southern Indiana. Maybe it was I like grew like up in Indiana time. around all the kind of rural. And then I went to college in St. Louis, and which is like uh, there's just beautiful warehouse districts, and uh-huh. all along the along the river, old you know old kind of I don't know I haven't been back to St. Louis that much but especially in the early 90s uh, it was probably a little grimier than it is now Mm -hmm. even I don't know and you know just that always inspired me and I always loved kind of the industrial stuff the agricultural buildings the farm the kind of outdoors and all of that so when I said this to Eric and I just expected him to laugh or roll his eyes or I didn't know what and he was just kind of like you know because I had built it up in my mind as this like big thing and like he was just like Oh, that sounds kind of cool. And I was just like, just done nothing conversation in a way. Yeah. And then later, um, so then after we sort of got together and merged households and we're, you know, now a couple and stuff, uh, we really wanted to do something to build somewhere. And um, through another whole series of like strange coincidences or fortuitous events and meeting some people and stuff, we discovered this area in Northern Arizona near the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I I met someone who had a vacation house. He was actually the, when when I was going to move in with Eric and we were, I was fixing up my house in Los Angeles, which was in Highland Park at the time. 
and I had lived there for a long time and it had an old craftsman house that didn't needed a lot of work to really sell it and so I put a lot into it to make it really beautiful and I was adding a split um, mini split air conditioning to it so the guy that was putting in my air conditioning oh okay was he had a vacation house in northern Arizona and he saw some renderings of the Quonset huts on the on the walls in my studio at home and he was came in to ask me about something that with the work he was doing and then he's like hey those are really cool and we started chatting about that and so I told Eric, yeah, this guy's got this vacation rental in northern Arizona near the Grand Canyon. And he was saying how, like, it's a great market for vacationers, people that... So and he has this whole, like, formula. Like, people that are visiting a national park, uh, a family that's going to go visit a national park that's planning their vacation well ahead mm-hmm. and paying for everything in advance on VRBO or Airbnb are great visitors. They're very respectful people. They're kind to your property they're not hard on it they don't trash stuff they're not partiers and and he has a great vacation rental business there and so i told eric and i was like maybe this is what we should let's think and eric was super excited about it yeah which and, which you, again you didn't expect right i just i mean i wasn't as surprised there but i mean he really got excited about it yeah. and then i i found him looking at land on zillow <laughs> without me even knowing he was that excited about it. i'm like what are you doing <laughs> busted what is this yeah and so then we found this 10 acres and it's like this beautiful 10 acres and started building quonset huts and so then that just transformed my practice um so but meanwhile i had i had been um thinking about the quonset huts thinking about diy home building like thinking there's a whole kind of unserved swath of people that would love beautiful architecture but don't really they're not really in the at the level of would hire an architect for full services to design something really beautiful and they're probably going to build it themselves you know people that are like there's a, you know it's a there's a growing DIY movement in all things and i think a lot of it's fueled by youtube these days fueled by you know accessibility of technology with things like 3d printing like the maker you know the makers of the world are rising up and you know making amazing things because there's all this ability to tap into stuff that used to be really exotic and specialized and expensive and so i initially conceived of you know trying to build a community around empowering and supporting diy home builders and the idea of the quonset hut house was kind of one of a few different strategies i had in mind when I put together this business plan around a kind of online business supporting and empowering DIY home building. And that was Clever Moderns. And that was when I got the, the recognition by the Charette Venture Group team in the business plan competition that year. How did you find out about those? Was it through the Entree Architect community? Through the Entree Architect people, yeah. Yeah. Through, through Mark. Basically, Mark would have Todd Redding on his podcast and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I entered. I actually, I, I registered for the 2015... Um, competition. Yep. And I hadn't really formulated my ideas. I just kind of thought like, well, I should be doing a business plan. Mark says you should do a business plan. I should do a business plan. But like I didn't, you know, I didn't really do it. And I didn't enter anything. And it really, and then it was really weighing on me like, what, what is my idea here? And then I, I basically spent most of 2015 like, I would sit down and write out my ideas. I would sit down every morning and spend time with my coffee quietly at a clear office space on my desk that was not in front of the computer, that was not, you know, for drafting or doing work stuff. It was like my quiet thinking place. Yeah. 
And I would just sit down with my coffee and be groggy and, uh, you know, I'd feed the dogs and just sit there and write. What time do you wake up every morning? What, what, what time were you waking up for that? Five? Probably six. Yeah. There's something to, there's something really, when you wake up in those weeks, that's where I'm, that's when I'm most creative. That's when I'm most productive. And people on this podcast who are listening and avid listeners, they've heard that over and over again, but it's so critical. And I just want to, I just want to highlight this part because that's, there's something spiritual about it. There's something sitting there in the quiet. Nobody's bugging you. And there's something about if you can do it, you know, writers, a lot of famous writers have talked about this is they want to be writing within the first couple minutes of when they wake up because their brain, you know, your brain is just starting to function. And I would refuse to look at email or anything like nothing with the phone at all before you try and sit down and have that time for yourself. It was pure analog experience. Right. I mean, and I, and I, and then as I started developing the ideas even more, I got out old drawing sets from old projects that were obsolete and, you know, didn't matter anymore. And I unstapled them and rolled them out flat upside down. And I got like the multi-pack of colored Sharpie pens in the thick and the thin. So I had like all the colors in thick and thin Mm -hmm. and I had post-it notes and I, and I would just like draw and diagram and like write out a title for the page in big block letters in color and then just kind of meditatively shade it in and you know just like the and you know and that's how i built my ideas for clever moderns and i at that point i didn't know it was going to turn into like this crazy quonset hut thing that had taken off would take off just by that that small part of the idea would really run Mm -hmm. with its own thing and so we started building the Quonset huts in northern Arizona. In uh, placed the order for the we bought the land in late 2016. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Placed the order for the huts in the late 2016. Started building. I think we took delivery of the buildings in like March. Poured concrete in May. You know, and built in 2017. So and we, you and you are building them yourselves. We're right? building them ourselves. Uh, and and it was like amazingly fun because so for 2017. Um, Eric went down to th- uh, three days a week at his work, and he he would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday through Tuesday, we would be at our property working, driving eight hours across the Mojave Desert from oh Los God. Angeles to Arizona. And then Tuesday, we would drive back. Sometimes we would drive back on Monday, so we'd have an extra buffer for he- before he had to go back to work. Yeah. But basically... And then he would work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then he would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we would go to Arizona and have our long weekend there. And mm-hmm. so we did that for the majority of 2017. Uh, got our two first two buildings more or less built, not totally final. And the first with, two were your house, right, and a guest house. Well, so it's they're permitted as like outbuildings, okay. and we are zoning allows us a, a residence and an ADU or a house and a guest house yeah. on the on the acreage, and so these two are not really a house i mean we kind of use the one as our apartment when we're you know up there and it has a half bath in it and we put an outdoor shower and we just can you know it's set up as our apartment and workspace and then the other building is our kind of workshop um with a with a you know a a hanger door that we built on the front and stuff like that so we're trying to kind of trick them out you know in interesting ways and 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 so we and now we're building the first actual house oh, okay. on the property. And that will be your house, yes? Well, that will be a vacation that rental will be the vacation. Okay. for the Grand Canyon. We're not going to really probably live on the property full time. Yeah. 
But so after driving back and forth, all the, you know, with all this like time on the road and difficulty getting to the property, and there were a couple of times that I forget what it would have been for, but. Like, I had to basically drive over and do one thing and have a quick turnaround and drive straight back to L.A. Oh, my God. I mean, and it was, like, nuts, you know. <laughs> and, like, that that happened once or twice. Um, like, in, not like it's not an emergency situation, but there was, I forget, something that had to happen that was, uh, you know, you know, on a job site yep. when it's your thing. Yep. Sometimes you got to just go drop everything and go do the uh, thing. Yep, exactly. You know? Yep. And so by the end of the year... Um, it was starting to also coincide with Eric being 20 years at his work and being ready to kind of retire from that, but not retire from working really, but just like be done with, with that and take his retirement there and shift gears. And my work was, you know, portable and now really becoming very Quonset Hut focused. And we wanted to be able to spend more time easily, you know, at our property. Let's back up a little bit because yeah. I think there's two things that I, that I missed yeah, okay, in the go story. Ahead. And that is... Uh, so, did you submit your business plan before you built the two structures, or was yeah? It- because the business plan, um, the the business plan competition was happening in the beginning of 2016, leading up to the 2016 AIA convention in Philadelphia. So, that was um, the the submittals and things for the competition were due in like. February or okay. January or February and then they had the short list and I made the short list and then you kind of presented the way that it was formatted a little differently than from how they are doing it now but we then at the AIA convention not as part of the convention but in Philadelphia around the convention and stuff um, you pre- I presented my pitch to the jury with my slide deck and stuff and my and my business plan. And then how did you when did And so that was in the beginning of 2016. Yeah. And then we didn't buy our land in Arizona until like October of okay. that year. What about the the so you have this online community, right? It's a Facebook right. group of 1200 people? Right. How did when did that start? And how did you get I it just off looked, the ground? I look back there. So um, in about March of 2017 when we were about to start actual construction on our huts yep. I started my Facebook group so that was um, I just started a group and set it up and I asked all the friends and family that I thought would be willing to just help populate the group and people were happy to do it yeah. and, you know and so I got some people in the group mm-hmm. and then I just would share our own build and share articles and share content, you know, in the group. And it was pretty slow for a while. Yeah. And I would encourage people that, you know, people will find my website and email me or people will reach out to me. You know, I have some stuff on YouTube and, uh, people will, you know, I'm always like promoting the group and stuff and it grew really slowly. And then it started to get, it just started to get traction. And now it's crazy. I mean, it's been a while now that um, Facebook actually, people say they learned about the group because like a sidebar su- sidebar ad or a suggestion from Facebook. Uh-huh. But I don't pay for that. Right. I don't ask for that. Right. Facebook is just promotes it's just groups. It suggests, yeah, they just suggest groups. So Facebook is like suggesting my group now and it's growing. Um, and yeah, it's we reached. So I, I, I just found an old post that resurfaced in the group where... A year ago, it had hit 500. So when the group was about a year old, it hit about 500. And so now at about two years and plus, it's about 1,200. And And I think it's growing at about 
75 to 100 people a month right now. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Do you have and are people all over the world looking at this now? Like, are yeah. You- I have actually got an email the other day from a guy in, in some village in the north of England. <laughs> and they have an old... Okay, so if you there is another term for it, which is a Nissen hut. N-I-S-S-E-N. And Nissen was a British engineer who invented the kind of proto-Quonset hut back in around the World War One mm-hmm, period. Mm-hmm. The actual Quonset hut was developed in the U.S. at Quonset, Quonset Point Naval Base in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. right on the cusp of World War II. But the, the, the Nissen hut in England had like a wooden frame, was arch-shaped, and was clad with corrugated metal on the outside. Then when they, when they did the kind of military version here, it was a metal frame, and there were kind of some improvements, I think, to the design, and it was more industrialized and stuff then. So this guy was emailing me, and he said he was looking for resources in England for Quonset huts because they had an old Nissen hut that was their village hall, and they wanted to replace it. was really at the end of its useful life, and they wanted to replace it with a modern Quonset hut because they loved the shape and whatever, and they just wanted, you know, and did I have any... And like I said, I emailed him back, and you know now I have this friend in the north of That's England, awesome. and like oh, I, cool. I want to go help them build their Quonset yeah. hut, but I don't know if that'll happen. So, so speaking of that, like going and helping and stuff. Yeah. So how is it translated monetarily? So I know you, you know, like a, you have this, you have their website, clever mod, clever mod. So right. And then how does that? You are you have you sold plans? I mean, you just kind of have. Okay. Stock so plans? I have not sold plans yet. I have free plans. Oh, okay. And the free plans are like you know equivalent to like a schematic design level. Of a of a thing, and you know they're they're a little bit diagrammatic, but they you know they give someone an idea of like it, with the round shape, how much overhead clearance do you get, and you know some design ideas and stuff like that. And the the so I have two different plans right now. I'm trying to get a third one on there, and I'd like to have eventually a much larger library of, yeah. of free plans, and then the plans for sale. But the plans, the free plans page is my most visited page on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steelmaster USA is one of the major manufacturers and sellers of Quanza Huts. And I have a good relationship with them. And they featured me on their blog. Um, I get website traffic from them a lot. They're pretty uh, active on social media and stuff themselves. And so they're kind of friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I'm not selling product yet on my website. I'm moving closer to that direction. And I'm also, my first uh, monetizing, if you will, will actually be a, um, a kind of startup guide for someone that wants to do a Quonset Hut project. And so it'll be a you know, pretty comprehensive um, like things to look out for, things to think about, things you didn't know about. It'll have um, a, a kind of... Uh, section of um, like technical things about the Quonset huts, how they go together, what to expect when and you're building your hut. Of, this will be an online thing you can unlock, or it'll probably be it'll probably be like a PDF type product. Okay. Um, I would like to then, and so I'll sell that at a at a price that will you know be probably under a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and then with that, I will also offer a discount with an individual consultation with me. Um, so if somebody, uh, you know, if somebody downloads, if you know, somebody pays for the thing and downloads the guide and then goes through it and then they want to sort of have an hour of my time, uh, then they would get a break as a kind of enticement to, yeah. you know, actually yeah. pull the trigger has on the console. Has anybody hired you just outright to do a custom one yet? 
Oh, yeah. So I've gotten a lot of clients this way. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Talk about that. So, How that's yeah, I mean, so um, people, so between between YouTube and finding me on my, on my blog, um, and then, yeah, I mean, and so again, and, and I, I really, I'm, I'm citing the statistics and stuff and being all like transparent about this because I feel like anyone could do this. If you're an architect out there trying to get your foot in the door in some way, or you've got an idea, you know, if you niche down and get something that's specific enough that you're, can attract an audience based on that Mm -hmm. you can start from zero and grow a thing i'm proof of this yes you are Uh uh-huh uh and so my website clever the clever moderns website was like a fledgling like scrap together a thing so that when you're in front of sure adventure group talking about your thing and you send them to your website (laughs) there's a thing there yeah 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 uh so that would have been in like the beginning of 2016 and i i'm getting over a thousand website visits a month yeah at this point According to my Google Analytics, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I would again like five years ago, if you had told me like I'll have a website with over a thousand visitors a month and growing and all mm-hmm. of that, I might have thought. Eh, I mean, it's possible, but you're kind of crazy to think that that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, and it's happening. Yeah. Um, so people, um, people all over have found me. I'm licensed in several states, and uh, I've got one um, under construction in Florida, another one that's going to be in permitting soon in Florida. Um, and uh, a recent, and now this is a great, uh, I've got about, I've got about f- four, four or five on the boards right now. Um, but I just had my first inquiry that went this way. It was a, a person reaching out to me locally in our town in Arizona. Um, Prescott is up in the mountains, so it's, you know, a lot of people from Phoenix, Tucson, southern Arizona, where it's extremely hot, come up to Prescott in the summer. Cool off. To cool off, exactly. Or even all the way up to Williams. Sure. Like northern Arizona, up high altitude is where they all come, you know, people come to get away. And then, well, then the funny thing is there's also people from, like, Alaska. This is actually a thing come to northern arizona in the winter and like we get snow and from california it seems crazy but compared to alaska it's like great weather (laughs) to be in northern arizona with only a little bit of snow Uh in the in the winter but anyway uh these the these folks reach out to me because they've got an acre uh an acre lot out in the woods in the in the ponderosa pine forest outside of prescott Mm -hmm. up in the hills and they want to build a little um, place to, you know, to get away to and then eventually to retire to. And so he, he initially emailed me. I guess he found my website um, because I'm local. And he sent me a, an image. I mean, a lot of architects probably get this. You know, somebody reaches out and says, hey, I want to build a house. I want to do a thing. Here's kind of a thing, a picture I found yeah. of something I sort of like. And it was a, you know, a kind of cabiny two-car garage with a pitched roof and, you know, wood trim and, you know, yep. not an not an unpleasant looking thing, but nothing exciting or special. And we were talking on the phone to talk about his project and see if it seemed like a good fit for a meeting or whatever, brief brief phone call. And he and then he says, "Well, and then I was looking at I sent you that picture and I'm like, yeah, it seems like, you know, we can we can do something." And and he says, and then we were looking at your website, and then we saw the Quonset huts. All right, <laughs> and so, and so he showed, he told mentioned it to his wife, and at first she thought, 
but is it going to just look like a weird looking shed? And then she <laughs> saw the pictures too. And now they, you know, because I'm making beautiful modern architecture. Absolutely. With a, with a round prefabricated shell, you know, of a, of a roof. Yeah. Right? So I think this could be my first, like, what I will call a crossover client. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. So we have, a, we have an appointment scheduled in a couple weeks when they're going to be up looking at their property. And I'll go out on a Friday and look at, look at their land and mm-hmm. shake and howdy and, you know. So I, that would be, you know, a, a pretty exciting first there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's just, you know, and, and one thing I've, I've is a common theme in this world of online business and starting a business it seems to be, and I know you're an advocate of diversifying your, your, your work, and I think that's a, a good strategy. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly been, you know, the firm that I was with that went under in the recession had a lot of had a lot had a big housing portfolio you know beautiful beautiful multi-story housing you know and like that was one of the hardest hit yep. parts of the of the sector you know and so uh diversifying is obviously important now i think if you're starting your business from scratch and you're trying to get traction i think yes you should if it feels if it feels appropriate to take all the work that comes your way absolutely do that i think also think it's easier to get noticed by far if you can find a really deep niche to serve that it's easier to show up on Google. It's easier to provide content that no one else has. And I also think, though, you, you know, I mean, there are a lot of there's also something to be said for just doing things your way and being unique enough to stand out. Now it can be hard to do as an architect, but, but the, you don't always have to, I guess I'll say it this way also to, to try and get that, make a clear, coherent thought here. I'm kind of starting to ramble, but, uh, what I would say is, well, yeah, there's two things here. It's two things. One, I think, I think you're right about, if you can find, if you can drill down to some kind of niche like that, and the parallel here is, when we built our first tiny house, it all came from eerily something very similar to yours of like, okay, we got to have this get this website up, and we didn't expect it to take off. The way we got into tiny houses was, uh, we were driving back from Boulder, we were celebrating our the uh, duplex. It was the very first like large commission that Alex and I got. And we called our friend Blake, and we he hated his job. And we asked him how much, you know. We said, "Like, well, how much money you got? Quit." And he said, "Ah, twenty five grand." We're like, "Well, build a tiny house, drive around the nation." And we go. He goes, "Okay." And then he thought we were joking, so we bought the domain name blakestinyhouse.com. And the next morning, we emailed him and said, "We guess you're doing it." And we sort of just went into that, and this the organic hits and reach that we got were something that we we could have never predicted either. And so there's if when you, if you can find a hot spot like that, even if it's on a whim, kind of like what what I did and sure. you did in your conversation, sure. go for it. And then you talk about like being able googling, you know, like a, just the search engines finding this certain thing, like Quonset Home or Tiny House, and it was there. The electricity was there, and we soon became this very very popular website. And all of a sudden, we had TV producers calling us. It eventually landed us right. on HGTV. So you can grow outward from a niche probably easier than you can just launch yourself as a, hey, I will do anything. anything. I agree with you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. 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 And so don't be, I think, exa- so you can go, 
the other way, but I, I think you're right with the, with the niche with the niche thing. And then it landed like with us. Then we did two more for Subaru, and then we now we're now we're building this big development. So it, so it all works out in the end, I think. And the other the other component I would put it into is like when you told me this story today, I could see happiness on your face. <laughs> so you got to be passionate and happy sure. about that niche, sure. you know, and go and then go for it because like, and you've told me before too, I think just in a private Facebook message, like, this is the happiest I've ever been. We, we love it out here in Arizona. Yeah. Like, it was one of the best moves we ever made. Um, so where are you at right now with the house project? Um, like, okay, so, what stage? So, we are um, almost completely enclosed. So we, and this house is also, you know, Leave it to an architect building his own house to just continually, like, change. complicate, change, <laughs> expand. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a common occurrence around our house for the morning coffee chit-chat in the living room to, to, to start off with one, one of the other of us saying, I have a crazy idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of both brace ourselves and see what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, because the Quonset... Uh, it's it's actually a Quonset hut set up on ICF concrete walls. Okay. So that was, and that's been a great experience. I think we're not going to probably do another one like that yeah. just because, it, you know, it did add a lot of complexity to the project. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you can do a beautiful Quonset hut house that doesn't necessarily have to be set up on eight foot high ICF walls with, you know, but I mean, we're thrilled with how it's going. So the, we just poured our final um, exterior concrete work. Uh, at you know the slabs around the doors and porches, um, all the arches are finally on the actual Quonset hut. If you want to see the the latest kind of ongoing, is my Instagram is Quonset House. So if you look on Instagram at Quonset House, that's my my Instagram for this, where I share all of my Quonset stuff. But the the it's it's a little more up to date than my blog. But yeah. the Clever Moderns blog has a lot of pictures too for the for the listeners. So we have about half or two-thirds of the, of the windows are installed. The arched windows that go in the end of the Quonset hut are, were held up at the factory because I guess the complexity of fabricating the arches. So there's one piece of curved trim that we're still waiting on for the windows to go in. And then the big, we have a big window wall that's you know 20 feet tall at the yeah. end of the, of the arch that looks out. And we have like this beautiful view out to the mountains. Yeah. So... As soon as though, as soon as those, you know, go on, then we have an enclosed thing. But we're going to go ahead and start uh, ourselves roughing in the electrical and plumbing next, and that's kind of the stage that we're at. So we have rough framing in. We'll 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 be you know our next our next steps there will be. We have actually bolts in the roof to tighten. So with a Quonset hut, you 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 bolt it all up loose. You bolt you tighten the bolts finger tight. So the thing is, it's not like Lego. These the the metal panels that make up the roof they're ten feet ten foot panels and they don't just magically snap together they are like sheet metal do they come flat and then you no they're they're bent to shape in the factory but they're not you have to kind of pull them into place and and you you use like drift pins or we got these like aluminum really big tent stakes on Amazon that you know you like put through the holes and pull you draw them together and then bolt them. Uh, bolt them up, but they you're supposed to. You're, they the manufacturers say leave leave every other bolt out okay. on your first pass. Uh-huh. We put in more than that, but 
but you don't you cannot tighten them to spec on the first pass so it's a bolt and a nut and on the outside of the bolt there's a polyethylene washer that gets smashed it's a very dense plastic washer so mm-hmm. when you tighten it to spec that washer smashes in really flat against the metal and seals so we have to go back over and tighten the bolts so i got we got a rope ladder and i got a safety harness and uh, we tie it off to my pickup truck, which is not to OSHA spec, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, and then I go up on the roof, and Eric comes on the scaffolding underneath, and we go through and tighten all the bolts. So that'll be one of our next tasks. It's yeah. fun. It and then, cool. like, when when my sister and her kid, teenagers or, like, Eric's nephew was just out, and, like, you have family out there mm-hmm. with you at the on the acreage, like, and you go to the Grand Canyon for a break in the action and what you know and like family helping out friends come and help us out it's just been a fun you know friend we've made friends we've had strangers from instagram uh, there are now for close friends oh my god who have volunteered to come help no kidding so we've had volunteer labor with people that just wanted to come learn how to build a quonset hut yeah that's, that's cool. been amazing that's cool uh, and then friends, you know, I don't know, friends of friends that are drop that are driving through the area that want to see it, and so they come by, and now yeah. we're, we have these, I don't know, are, we have friends also that are big in the kind of like airstream community. Uh-huh. They live in an airstream, oh, yeah. and work online. Yeah, that's and the stuff. whole thing. Yeah, so we have these. We have good friends who are, go back to our time in California. What happens after this house is done? Then, then all right. So after this. Then we'll build the next one. So we and that'll be the ADU, right? Because this one will be the primary. So right, this one was going to be the ADU. Okay. And and we kept it at just a thousand square feet because that's the maximum mm-hmm. ADU size in our area. And that was going to mean the next one had to be twice that uh-huh. size for the zoning. And this house has become so special to us. <laughs> and it's 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 kind of. It's big enough for just an undertaking for the two of us that we we really are not we don't really think we want to do a bigger one next. We want to scale it back down a little bit. So this next one would have to be five. So the next one will be the ADU for this. Yeah. And it well it can go. Um, well, then we ended up making the loft a little bit larger when we decided that. So okay. now I think we're uh, we can probably. Um, and I also made some other changes. So when the, ins- the inspector hasn't seen it since we kind of did some things on the fly. And uh, if he has us resubmit the plans, I'm going to try and recalc the sure. area and sort of boost it a little, uh-huh. you know, on the math. Yeah. And then we can probably get our ADU up to about 600 square feet. It'll be about five or 600 square feet. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be, a sm- it'll be more like the headquarters hut that yeah. we started with. And I with. saw you post the other day that you, 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 there's another piece of land. Is that real? Okay, so that's yeah, that's real. We haven't. It's it's not. Um, it's not going on my blog or on the you know yeah. stuff yet. But yeah, so there's another there's another chunk. Very cool. So there will be more Quonsets. Very cool. You know, in our future, and you know, and so then it's sort of like, I mean, it's a version of architect as developer. Exactly. That's so. It's a vacation rental strategy for yeah. us. We're not going to live there full time. We're going to have it as a you know, and I you know I think. Yeah, and there's whole. I mean, there's B, there's Airbnb and VRBO are the two main big ones for that. But like, there's websites that just specialize in architectural vacation rental. Yeah. And I think a kind of Quonset Hut architectural vacation rental thing, uh, 
for us up there. You know, it'll be a good business, you know, moving forward yeah. Uh, yeah. for us as well. Well, so. I applaud the whole journey and thank you for Thanks, thank you for science. sharing it with me today oh, and everybody else. I'm very happy to share. I think it's cool. Uh, I think people need to hear these kind of stories, especially when they when they kind of bloom from this place that you wouldn't expect. Because to me that's where that's that's really where the beautiful stuff happens and then it's a passion the whole way through and you just love in life you guys are having fun building you're going to make some money you're getting clients out of it you almost won an award you got you know you, you went that far it's it's totally cool um so with that i'd like to switch gears and just ask sure. you some final questions great um, i've been asking everybody this um you're uh, an architect so I, you know there's these 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 are i want to hear from everybody about what they think um, where we're headed and everything. And you're a yeah, thinker. Yeah. You're a thinker. You're, uh-huh. you're an intellectual. So, uh, A, or number one, uh, with the exponential growth of technology we've seen in the last century, it seems that automation is inevitable. Are you at all worried that we could lose our profession to automation? I don't know that I would say lose the profession. There are a lot of changes coming. A lot of changes. I think that I'm not. I'm not one to say what I think they ought. I don't have a list of these are all the changes that are coming or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I think automate, I think, yeah, I mean, things are going to become more, uh, you know, things like the... Um, well, how about your blog and the way that uh, way Eric automated it? Okay, Eric you. automated my blog. So And that's helpful well, for you. So it is helpful for me. Loser. And actually, though, I was on the verge. So I have, an, I have a part-time assistant. And she does some drafting for me, and she does some other things as well. She does some admin on my Facebook group and stuff like that for me. She lives in Atlanta. She's remote. And I was, I was starting to have some conversations with her about setting up images for my blog for me and watermarking them and resizing them and stuff to be able to, you know, to, to, be able to get them on the blog. And Eric heard, heard the conversation. Now, he's a software engineer and an electrical engineer with a lot of background in image processing. And he can write Python scripts with one hand tied by his back and whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Which, that is all totally Greek to me. I yep. have no idea. I can't <laughs> do here. that stuff. I tried to learn Python once and I got so frustrated. <laughs> so um, he, wrote, he wrote a script for me that basically I put a bunch of images in a folder and I number them to appear in the order that I want them in the blog post. And they can be any size or any, you know, whatever. And then I just, up on the top bar of my, of my screen, I, write, I type in blog it. And blog it takes over. And it takes all the images and uniformly redoes the file size. It watermarks them. And his script actually searches the four corners of the image for like the least visually contrasty busy corner. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it actually it optimizes which corner of the image to watermark yeah. based on like how busy and and you know whatever the image is. Mm-hmm. He has like a way of doing that. Yeah. And then it watermarks them, saves all the original files in a separate folder. Then it logs into my WordPress for me creates a blog post and if i correctly format the name of the folder that all the images were in to begin with it grabs the it grabs the folder like name mm-hmm. and titles the blog post correctly and then it drops all the images in and it puts the footer in that has a, a, a sign up for my mailing email list and i have this system already in place with MailChimp where 
when somebody signs up on my blog, I can tell which blog post or page they sign from. up from. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so his script automatically correctly tags that in the footer for me as well. And it just, and it does all of that with like one, I type one word. So like that, that just took some work away from Melissa that was going to be like a couple of hours of her time or yeah. an hour, yeah, you know, to put all that together and upload it into the thing for me and whatever. Yeah. And that's just a very minor, like at home <laughs> DIY yep. with some code, mm-hmm. you know, not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's a big deal and I wouldn't know how to do that. But yeah. So, I mean, that's an example. There's, yeah. there's changes coming, but you know, will, will there, will there be a point that no human beings are involved in construction anymore? I mean, probably not. Probably not. Although are, there's, are, those, have you seen those, uh, there's robots in Japan they're developing that can hang drywall. And I thought, yeah, who wants to hang drywall? See, that's the yeah, way that's I think it. about it. I go, think about all these menial tasks well, on the job site where, like, okay, you hang the drywall. How hard is it? Like, nobody is anybody getting fulfilled as a person, you know, screwing the rest of it off? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe if they're listening I mean, to a podcast. There, there are dislocations in the economy. There, it sucks for people to lose their job, and that's that will happen. Yeah. At the same time, in the macro big picture, you know the people that were the the people that were displaced historically. When I mean, yeah, there's nobody. I mean, blacksmithing was a huge field at one time. I mean, now there's like hobbyist blacksmiths, and I mean, I love following those guys on Instagram and women that make like amazing uh, hand forged, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Work that like you wouldn't even imagine this was a handmade forged thing and like, intricate and beautiful and complex, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stuff. So like it's become a hobby, and I I can't imagine that, you know, people. I think if there's human beings, there are going to be human beings that want to engage their creativity and make beautiful things and do that. Um, will they be? Will there be? You know trades you know doing their job as a necessity for construction to happen when it's going on at scale and cost is an issue mm-hmm. well a lot of those jobs will be eliminated and there there will i mean and i don't know the answers i mean there and and some people that are really uh you know some people that are really into like the future of AI and all of that yeah, yeah, think yeah. that like, well, humans aren't going to humans are going to be totally displaced by the robots, and there won't be any jobs left at all for anyone at yeah. all. Yeah, and I'm just like, well, that seems a little hard to believe when the entire history of jobs being replaced has meant new things new springing things up springing for people to do. Yeah, exactly. I, it's always it's always been that you know people were just freed up from doing other more menial things exactly. and now able to do other more like meaningful things. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at with the two. So I, I have a hard time believing that this is somehow an exception to that rule right. that now we're finally at the point where, Nope. Nope. That's it. That's it. No more. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it doesn't make yeah, sense to me in that become, way. We come, we all become Wally people. And yeah. We're just fed with the tube. I don't think so. All right. Uh, next question. 3d Definitely. printing was expected to transform architecture and construction, but uptake of it has been slow. Once the technology has been adopted, how do you see architects adopting it? And will it usher back in the architect as the master builder? I think it could. I think, I mean, you know, the architect as the master builder, 
is only going to happen because architects like you and me are interested in doing being a, a master builder. Being a master builder, yeah. Because even if they have the even if they have the accessibility, you know, of of getting the machine and buying the machine, if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it, right? I don't think that will usher it in. Yeah. It's not like that's going to be the thing that will suddenly be like, oh, now all the architects are going to want to do that. I mean, and it's such a big profession. Some architects are 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 historians. Some are theorists. Some are some are writers, and some are builders and makers, and some are, you know, really interested in some arcane narrow part of like building envelope science and like we need those people to be fascinated and obsessed with their small little piece of the bigger picture because that's how the science and technology is advanced because someone is so obsessed with perfecting that one thing that now it suddenly gets perfected and if nobody cared that much it wouldn't be Mm -hmm. right um so i think for the architects that want to take that on and like leverage the technology to do even greater things yeah it's going to be an amazing time yeah i think so too i think it's going to i i wanted to just empower those who want to who want to use it to empower absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. last question and we already talked about the great recession so it's a perfect one to wrap Uh up on and that's where you and i kind of started what we're doing i mean we're just kind of born out of it and we've come to this great place um so um it's been 10 years since the great recession right and it seems like we are due for another one what is one piece of advice you would give to a small firm architect or business owner as we near the end of this business cycle? Well, I feel like I'm I'm getting closer to launching some uh, more of like information products and making them available for sale to the community that I've spent the last, you know, two, three years building. And I think... I think strengthening your ties in your community Mm. is a really important aspect of, you know, being able to weather a recession. I mean, I, I, I had friends, close friends and other, you know, I, I had roommates renting my house with me to keep the mortgage and it was, I mean, we were all friends and it was cool and it worked, you know? Um, but that was an example of like, having my community be part of getting through the recession. And I mean, there's, there's lots of different angles you can take on, you know, saving money, diversifying your client base and your, and your work life and all these things. But I think, um, you know, I'm looking at, uh, being able to have, um, you know, information products and passive income stream, being able to be part of my income stream, that hopefully when, you know, the next recession hits, there will be, you know, even if that dips, it's just, it's another thing. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I think also positioning myself in, in this kind of like adjacent to the DIY mm-hmm. scene, you know, I think is something that I don't think it, it may not be entirely recession proof, but I know that like in the last recession, a lot more people fixed up their car yep. than bought a new car. Yep. And, um, you know, if there's a thing... Uh, there with, I mean, I, I mean, all the architects aren't going to be interested in that or can like do that. But I think then the, if I step back from that, I think just looking at what, what is your, what are your community ties and what is your, and whether it's professionally like you and I 
getting together today or or whether it's with your with your client base or with your in your community where you live and being involved and uh you know your answer was 100% unique and I love it um, and I, I would echo that. Uh, I would. You're echo- super involved in your community. Absolutely, I'm, I mean, a, I'm a community builder, man. Yeah, I'm you here, are. I'm literally here to build a community. Do a com- I do? I run a community garden. Um, I do a lot Which of. Which is a whole other topic, by the way, that we need to like over a beer or something. Oh yeah, definitely. Because I know you're a gardener. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a thank you for that answer. That was I think it's so unique, and people should take that to heart because you should get out there and be involved with your community because you never know what kind of connection can help you through a tough time like you said like you you piled up and you saved the mortgage then that then because you did that and then you were able to fix up your house sell it for a profit and now you're out in arizona doing really cool stuff so thank you so much for your telling your story today earl we just did an hour um we were gonna do maybe 20 minutes so this is well this is really fun yeah Uh, and you know i i'm a fan of the podcast i i feel like you guys are just out there just slugging it out and doing this work that's interesting and i you know if if I had a partner in my work that was, you know, an architect, I mean, Eric and I are partners in what we're doing, but like, I, I just, I think you guys are such a great example of, you know, the way you just bounce the ideas around, the way you just are out there going after it. I uh, really admire what you two are up to. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for being on. Thanks for the compliments. Absolutely. And, uh, good luck with everything you're doing. And now a word from one of our sponsors. If you work with specifications in your firm, You've probably come across uh, outdated manufacturer specs and confusing notes. Not only does that happen, that also happens with with code books too. And I'm ashamed to say it, but you know, sometimes you're just researching a code online and then you're like, oh, is this 2012, 2015, 2009, 2006? Am I in a county? Do they even have rules? Um, so you don't know if they applied. The same thing can be true for your specs. So, uh, you know, you don't want to find products that no longer exist or even companies that no longer exist. And trust me, I have done both. Uh, maybe you even pay for specifications. Well, don't do that because there's a better way, uh, to find manufacturer specs for your products and documentations. And that's ArtCat. ArtCat.com is a free library. It has over 1400 up-to-date, accurate specifications. Up-to-date and accurate are the keywords. Uh, they're written by FCSI. CCS AIA professionals based on manufactured data. Arquette uses powerful search engines to find the right specifications for your products and downloads them in multiple formats for free, free, free. You don't even have to register. Look at that. Easy, convenient. Go to arquette.com and get the information you need. That's it. 